Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hey everyone, this is Elise Halleck. I'm here at the Healthcare Symposium 2019 here at Chicago, Illinois, and with me today is Farzan Sasangohar. He is an assistant professor at the Department of Industrial Systems Engineering at Texas A&M University. Welcome. Thank you so much. How are you doing today? Doing great. It's a great audience. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, what, what brings you to the, the Healthcare Symposium? So, Healthcare Symposium, uh, I've been involved with the Healthcare Symposium since its beginning. I've attended almost every year uh, since, since 2014. Uh, uh, I was in s- several committees uh, and I, I, I was track chair last year. Uh, so this is a great environment to get together uh, with, you know, cutting edge research in human factors in healthcare, meet industry projects and industry folks. It's a great opportunity for networking with a lot of professionals. Uh, it's a great venue for my students uh, to come in and get exposed to this network and present the research and get feedback. That's why we come in every day. Uh, in the last three years, we've had more than 20 presentations and lecture presentations and posters at the ATS. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know one of my challenges is just trying to narrow it down because there's so many good talks all happening at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, you are currently an assistant professor, Texas A&M. So can you tell us a little bit about your position and how you got there? Absolutely. So I'm an assistant professor uh, with the Industrial Systems Engineering at Texas A&M, but I'm also assistant professor in uh, Environmental Occupational Health in the School of Public Health at Texas A&M. And I have an affiliation with Houston Methodist Hospital as assistant professor uh, in the Center for Outcomes Research and the Department of Surgery. Uh, I joined immediately after I completed my PhD at the University of Toronto. Uh, since 2015, um, I've been the director of a lab there at Texas A&M called Applied Cognitive Ergonomics. Interesting. Uh, doing a lot of healthcare human factors research, but also a lot of uh, other domains. Yeah, so what kind of research are you involved in? So my specialty uh, is user-centered design of mobile health, telehealth, and uh, remote patient monitoring tools and technologies. Um, I have active projects in remote monitoring technologies for diabetes, hypoglycemia detection, mental health, and uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD management, opioid withdrawal management, uh, projects in telehealth for special populations such as elderly, pediatric, underserved population, veterans population, student population. Um, and then I do a lot of systems engineering type research. Uh, resilience engineering is something I'm really interested in. So we have projects looking into resilience of emergency management, emergency response. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look at the impact of these emerging telehealth systems on providers' work mm-hmm. and how to model those and understand opportunities and limitations there. Um, and we also uh, have an active line of research on persuasive design of these new tools and systems to see how we can have a uh, long-term behavioral change. This is a new regimen, it's a new era of usability. So you've used the term a couple times, telehealth 
systems. Can you elaborate a little bit on what that means? Absolutely. So telehealth is a combination of tools and technologies to, to deliver and provide care remotely okay. and virtually. So a lot of terms that are used interchangeably, telemedicine, telehealth, um, but my specialty is a particular type of telehealth, which is continuous remote monitoring. These are tools that are sensor-based, they get information from patients and providers uh, continuously. Mm. These are 24-7, always on variable technologies, mobile health tools. So like my Fitbit? Just like your Fitbit, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so that is empowering. So now with that, we can be much more predictive. We can really exercise predictive medicine and not be reactive. So you, you touched on an interesting point that actually you know, came up recently. So with this um, you know, capturing data longitudinally over time and um, looking at that to then predict medical trends. Um, so you know, I know when one of the big questions out there in the field is, you know, how can we use this, this data? It's not just, you know, tracking my current heart rate and my steps per day, but um, looking over time. So, so how are you envisioning this data working between the patient and the physician? Absolutely. So uh, it's a challenge. Yeah. It's an engineering challenge. To get all that data and you know make it information, make it something providers can manipulate and make decisions on. So there are multiple challenges there. There's big data mm. analytics. So how do you make sense of this large amount of data? Right. How do you put it in the context of care and other contextual variables? And then even that is not enough. Even if you can make sense of that data to, to integrate, that, integrate that into providers' work, there are many, many challenges. Trust is one. To understand if these patients even trust these technologies going home with them mm. and remotely monitoring them. Compliance is another one. How do you persuade them to take care of themselves, make these measurements we're asking them to do? Um, it's not just on the patient side. Providers have compliance issues, trust issues, so we have to work on that. We have to, it, it, there's a lot of systems engineering modeling going on to really understand these tough issues, to make sure these technologies are gonna be successful. Mm -hmm. Patients are gonna use them for long term. They don't just pick them up today and tomorrow and next week, they actually use it for years. Right. So that takes a, a disciplinary approach, much more holistic approach than what we're used to. The human factors engineering is in really good position to, to look at these kind of challenges. Absolutely, especially because it's not just one one user group anymore. It's the interaction between the two and then the unique challenges Absolutely. on each side. Absolutely. Fascinating. Um, so I've seen your name in a couple places at uh, on our um, conference you know, schedule. So are, are you presenting? We have a presentation tomorrow on um, EHR downtimes and cybersecurity issues. I'm sorry, uh, what's EHR for our audience? Uh, electronic health records. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so it's been a challenge to keep that data secure. Uh, it's not just make them usable. Uh, there's a lot of security and privacy issues uh, surrounding around the EHR usage. 
so my postdoctoral fellow at Houston Methodist Hospital, Dr. Ethan Larson, is going to give a talk tomorrow uh, on his work uh, on cybersecurity and downtime issues with the EHR and Mothal Hospitals. We have uh, five other posters today and tomorrow to, to, to present a variety of issues, including uh, persuasive design methodologies, um, including our, our work in continuous monitoring of veterans who are diagnosed with PTSD. Mm. Um, we have a poster on uh, systems modeling of patient work and uh, integration of telehealth into the providers, uh, I'm sorry, providers work and uh, physicians work. Okay. Uh, and we also have a poster on resilience engineering and how to keep these healthcare systems more resilient. Which we heard a lot about this morning Absolutely. during the opening plenary Absolutely. talk. It was a fantastic talk by Dr. Cook. It was, it was. We'll actually be having him on the show in a little bit, so Excellent. hear more details about it. Um, with the persuasion design, can you elaborate a little bit on what that means? Absolutely. So, so as I mentioned, I really think usability is a term of the past. Mm. term of the 80s and 90s, uh, uh, usability is not sufficient requirements to, to have products being used out there anymore. There's something on top of usability we really need, and that's persuasion. People have to be able to want these devices and technologies at home, and uh, that's, that's an important, critical area to look at. We need to have technologies that are Facebook-like, so people want them mm. in their life, and they're persuaded to use them. Uh, it's a whole era and whole new regimen, uh, a new uh, body of literature. Um, in our lab, we look at persuasive design of mobile health apps, um, um, health behaviors and health models and how to solicit those models. We come up with methodologies to solicit people's health beliefs and, and use that into early design of these tools that are going home. Uh, home telemonitoring is, uh, is, is the trend uh, we're looking at. So in the poster we're presenting today, we're going to talk about some of the early findings, uh, some of the integration synthesis of literature on behavioral mental health or health beliefs or persuasive models out there. Um, and it's all about uh, understanding the user, right? understanding context, and see, you know, when you can trigger those notifications, when you can introduce these new technologies into people's life. Um, it's extremely complicated. It's not that easy, but we're, I think we're contributing quite a bit to that domain. Absolutely. To well, asking those questions up front is the first step. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, I am looking forward to that. Um, now, you know, to you've you've had quite you know a journey to get you to where you are today. Um, a lot of our our audience listeners are you know just getting into human factors, just learning about it, um, or maybe they know a little bit about it and it's just getting exposed to different areas. Um, you know, so. Based on your journey and your experiences, what do you wish you'd have known coming into it, or what would you want to share with you know those getting into human factors and healthcare? Absolutely. Um, to me, human factors is booming. It's mm -hmm. it's a growing field uh, for 
students and early career professionals, I think it's, it's most critical to get involved in the society at the society level and serve and volunteer. That's the best way to, to identify mentors, which, which to me is, is critical to be successful in this field. Um, so I wish I'd known how open HFE is and the society is to committee membership and you know service at the national level. Mm. So even though as a student I, I contributed to our student chapter, local student chapter, I started one, was president for two other university student chapters, but then it, it took me a few years to understand you know uh, more involvement with the committees and the society level uh, volunteering. Um, I really highly recommend uh, early career folks and students to get involved as much as they can to know more people, identify better mentors, and uh, have an impact in the field. So mentors not just you know where they're located, but then within the broader human factors. Don't look community. just internally. Reach out to external mentors. And the best way to identify them is to be here in these annual meetings, in the International Healthcare Symposium to be involved in the community, do volunteering work, take leadership roles early. Uh, and that's what I did. And I, I attribute my success, if there's any, to a lot of good mentorship. A lot of good mentorship coming from this society. Mm -hmm. So I'm very active now after finding out uh, and you know going up the ladders. Uh, I lead two committees now, uh, the webinar committee and the student affairs committee. Fantastic. And I'm also selected to be the next chair of healthcare technical group uh, at our society. That's fantastic. Um, well, that is really excellent advice. Mentorship really is key, and not just you know having someone to ask questions to, but then you know having those connections when you go to these types of events. Absolutely. Well, thank you so so much for being on the show with us. Um, for those who would like to follow up with any questions or connect, where might um, our, our viewers reach you? Absolutely. Uh, uh, you can reach me uh, by email. My email is sasangohar at tamu, T-A-M-U dot E-D-U. Okay. You can also visit our, our laboratory website. Uh, it's called acelab dot tamu dot E-D-U. Perfect. And we'll be posting those links in the show notes as well for our, so our viewership. Well, thank you so much. And at the end of each of our shows, we always end with, uh, it depends, because everything in human factors depends. So on the count of three, I'll have you say it with me. One, two, three. It depends. It depends. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline.
Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory. Because it's more than just common sense.